0: Listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. It's a great morning, Matt. You know
1: why? Why? Because we're starting Exodus. Woohoo! <laughs> New Exodus, book. Exodus. Oh, yeah. Book three. Moving all the people. Book three, we've done Genesis and uh, Job. Yes. And now we're moving on to Exodus. Man. And uh, we are all set up now, because Exodus begins. We got all set up in Genesis with the narrative. Uh, we learned something about God and the real battles going on in Job. And now we're moving on to Exodus. How is this promised nation going to be developed and become a nation since they've kind of been in the womb of
0: Egypt? Yeah. So there's... That's how I see it. In the womb. The womb <laughs> So they are. They've been in Egypt for four hundred years now, and for a good portion of it, they have been enslaved. Uh, in chapter one, it kind of, kind of re summarizes like, okay, so the tribes of Israel moved to Egypt and they settled there in the land of Goshen, and, and kind of under Joseph's protection. But then eventually, there is a Pharaoh that comes up that doesn't remember Joseph or has any connection to him. Right. And so he just sees these people and is like, uh, why are they here? You know what? They're going to work for us now. Well, they're a threat. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they keep
1: growing. So, like, you see the promises of God to Abraham. 400 years later, God's keeping his promises. So they are very fertile. They're growing in population. They're growing in strength. Their young men are strong. Their women are productive. And they are the ones who work the livestock because all the Egyptians think that's gross. So they have a corner on this market, this niche market, which is Mm -hmm. it's all very threatening. And no one remembers uh, Joseph anymore. So the pharaohs now, it's like Ramsey's great-grandson or something. He doesn't care about Joseph. He just sees a threat. And most of these guys in power are usually uh, insecure. And so... um, one thought though, yes. is it's taken over 400 years to turn Abraham's descendants, remember, they were barren, yeah, to bless them with a child, and now they are a formidable group of people.
0: Yeah, I was just looking at um, when they first got to Egypt, they were only 70 people, yeah, and now they're so great that they're rivaling the nation of Egypt. Egypt, right, and Pharaoh is getting nervous. They're
1: making the nation that is built up around one of the most prolific bodies of or rivers yes. in the world, the Nile, the source of economic uh, resource, the source of, I mean, source of life. Yes. Water is life. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they're threatening the greatest nation on earth at this time. So it's pretty amazing. But I want to remind everybody, when God makes a promise, he's going to keep it, even if it takes over 500 years. Yes. <laughs> and so don't rush... You might have some things outstanding that you know God's doing in your life. Well, you got to hang on, man. You got to wait for Him to do it, cause He'll do it right. Anyway, we got a
0: lot to say. So um, yeah, so uh, Egypt, so Pharaoh's uh, solution to this problem is, you know what? Let's uh, downsize the yeah. nation and start killing all the males that are born.
1: Right. It's a funny solution to us. We don't think. Let's just kill all the male babies. But throughout history, this is kind of what you do to uh, lord your power over a nation, is you take away their future military.
0: Their future military, and then you keep all the women so that you can interbreed and like kind of breed the nation out.
1: Yeah. So there it is. And then we've also learned, and this will be a theme that we'll bring up throughout Exodus, but um, in these ancient civilizations, one way you could make peace... Mm -hmm. between rivalry rivalry, uh, nations is to offer up your firstborn son. Mm -hmm. So you would say, look, we don't want a war anymore. So the king might offer up his firstborn son. The other nation takes that son's life. And now we're we're peace. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. Pharaoh here doesn't offer up his firstborn sons. He says, I'm going to take all yours and then we'll have peace. But it shouldn't work that way. No. You shouldn't demand. Well, he's trying to force peace with them by taking their... Their sons. And that'll be um, not only, maybe you can already foresee the idea of firstborn son dying. Yes. Hint, Jesus, but also... Spoil uh, it. Yeah, spoiler alert. Jesus is uh, God's only son who will die for us. But... Wait. Sorry. I. But you know what? They can't hear People can't hear that enough. But um, so he's killing the firstborn sons. And you'll see Herod. This happens at the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Where, it's a again, very similar situation. Because yeah. it's not a stretch. It's not like, oh, the Bible just made that up. It's like, no, this is this is what all this, of our unsaved uh, leaders do.
0: This is their solution to their problems. Right,
1: and maybe we should sometimes look at what the rulers outside of the reign of God, how they behave. Mm. And you'd be shocked and horrified because they murder babies on the regs. Right. Moving so, on. So
0: he's trying to m- murder some babies, and the midwives... Oh, apparently fear that, yeah. God, and they don't do as the king of Egypt commanded. And Pharaoh brings them in because he's like, why are there still male children? And the midwives are like, "Uh, they're built a little differently than the Egyptian women, right. and they just have their babies in the field. We can't even get to the babies before they have them. They just have them and then keep on working. It's, and-
1: it's so great. It's, um, I remember Moses is writing this later in life, So he's looking back, the way you look back in your life and you notice Mm -hmm. where God has worked and you remember the the things that all line up with what God has actually accomplished. And so he's looking back and I think it's comical. Mm -hmm. I actually think he's saying, look how in these first two chapters he's showing uh, the silliness of Pharaoh and that he has all the power in the world, but he's completely powerless. So the midwives say to him... Are thwarting him. Yeah, they're disobeying him and fooling him. And insulting him like, hey, I'm sorry, the people of God, their women are just stronger and more robust than your weak Egyptian women. Yeah. And then to make it even worse, moving on. So these women are going to remember. They're blessed because they feared God. And then um, you got Pharaoh's
0: daughter who finds a baby. Yeah. Okay. So then Pharaoh's next step is to say, okay, well, I don't care. If you find a Hebrew male child, just throw him into the Nile. Right. Like. Finish it. We're. We're done. Like, if even if you can't get to them, and as they're being born, I don't care. Throw them all into the Nile. Which,
1: by the way, is a very common way, even in some cultures today, but um, primitive cultures, unwanted children you would leave uh, to exposure. Mm-hmm. So you'd put them in, so you're not really killing them, you're just leaving them to exposure, and they're getting killed. Right, right. And, and that, we even know in Rome, was happening. And I just want everyone to know, the Christians were the people who would adopt those garbage The garbage babies? The garbage babies. The garbage pail kids? That they would leave leave in the dump. The Christians are the ones, like, we are the ones who value life, and we're not just throwing babies away. But the Egyptians are, and so are the Romans, and we're countercultural. So, beautiful story of Moses.
0: Yeah, so then we have, um, the story continues, and it focuses on a man from the house of Levi and again, I just want to reiterate, Levi, the tribe of Levi is cursed. It is a cursed tribe. No big deal. Um, again, because Levi and Simeon took the sign of God, abused it, murdered a whole city of people, yep. to, and, and Jacob cursed them. So
1: remember, they used circumcision against Shechem mm-hmm. because of the rape of their sister. So they lied and said, get circumcised, and we'll, we'll combine with you. They used a sign of God to destroy people, and bring wrath on God's promised, on the small family. And God had to work through that. But as a result, they were not blessed.
0: They were not blessed. They were cursed. They would not have um, a land of their own whenever they get to the promised land. And so I just want you to know that this is the story of the tribe of Levi, and people understand this. Like, the people are not yeah. Unaware, Unaware. Like, the original are, audience. The, the audience is aware that the tribe of Levi is cursed. Yes. And that Levi is a murderer. There you go. Okay. So, setting up... Some ground rules. We find... We get the story of a man from the house of Levi who marries a Levite woman. And they have a son. And they decide, we're going to try to hide him in the river. Right. and Classic Levite. Yeah.
1: Total... You know, we're not going to just obey
0: yeah we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna be tricksters yeah we're gonna but praise god put him in the river we're gonna hide him we're gonna have his sister watch over him is that miriam yep and then we have pharaoh's daughter finds moses in the river
1: now don't think that this is just a it might just be a blessed coincidence but my guess is this they were being smart about this probably where rich powerful women bathe they put the baby mm-hmm. they're not doing it where the soldiers bathe they're not mm-hmm. doing they're like who how can we have a shot of this baby living and so they're doing their best to keep the baby and they're at a point though where they can't hide it anymore so they put the baby in the Nile and sure enough i think it's also another funny thing that pharaoh's daughter finds this little baby she knows it's a hebrew child she knows obviously because It's left out for exposure. Then, probably has enough, she sees that it's the sweet little girl is watching the baby and says, oh, I'll hire, get someone a nurse for this baby. Mm -hmm. So you basically see Pharaoh's daughter full of mercy and compassion, like, oh, my dad's such a jerk. And thwarting the power of the almighty Pharaoh by saving a baby, drawing him out of the water.
0: Again, this is interesting. It's women that are thwarting the power of Pharaoh. Yeah. You cannot read the Bible and think the Bible is against
1: women, man. The Bible is, like, so pro-women throughout history. It's oh, amazing. Man. That is
0: pretty interesting. All right.
1: Anyway, yeah. So she thwarts him and saves a future leader.
0: Yeah. So and, she, yeah. she calls him Moses, which means drawn out. And the idea is the imagery is drawn out of the water. So the imagery of water is already on Moses from day one, from his name.
1: And something that hit me this time around is Moses' whole life, growing up in the palace, having access to the Egyptian libraries and all Mm -hmm. that stuff, he's treated as one of them. But they call him drawn out of the water. So not only do they have to remember the time Pharaoh tried to kill all the baby Hebrews, but this one was drawn out. Mm -hmm. So his name means drawn out of the water. Right. And so it's almost like a mockery. Like Pharaoh has to live knowing there's someone in my household who was... It's just his name means we disobeyed you. (laughs) That's what his name means. Like we disobeyed you. And so this is the thing Pharaoh was scared of. Like he's like, I'm scared of these people. They're going to... And then he takes in a child called... We disobeyed you, and I was drawn out of the water because you were too afraid to hurt your daughter's feelings or you're an absent dad or something. Who right. knows? But I just think it's beautiful because the 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 idea of water and being pulled out, of course, Moses is integral to all this. And so he's looking back, and it's not lost on the original audience. Like, man, mm-hmm. you were the guy drawn out of the water. Right. We're going to be the people drawn out of the water. You're going to be the guy who draws water out of a rock. Salvation right, comes through water. Fence, I, I love know, it. But they, we can't hear it enough. Um <laughs> So, Moses, though, lives up to his, he grows up, and he's always aware of the injustice.
0: Yes. So, he he knows his origin story. Yeah, like because his he's, name he's, is he's super, he's super aware that he is a Hebrew, because he. it says he goes out and looks over his people. And uh, he sees an Egyptian um, abusing a Hebrew slave, and he gets full of this indignant kind of maybe righteous anger but yeah. just like he wants justice and this is the thing this is a trait of levi just like your dad moses and just your dad's, like, dad's
1: dad's dad
0: yeah so you are a levite through and through you see injustice happening and you want to you want to take justice into your own hands and this is what moses does he does he acts exactly like levi like this is a For me, this has been a very helpful way to view, because we're constantly changing main characters. Yeah. But when you start looking at them as family tribes, you see these patterns get played out, and Moses is acting as a classic Levite. And he goes and he murders this Egyptian to save this Hebrew, and he buries the Egyptian and thinks he's clear. He thinks he's in the clear. It's hidden. Right. So then he goes out, and he sees two Hebrews fighting among themselves, and then again he decides, "I'm going to act like the judge."
1: Before you go on with his acting like the judge, I just realized that Levi, actual Levi, is Aaron and Moses' great grandfather.
0: Yeah, no, so they're he's not only, that far removed. He's not
1: that far removed. So it's like Aram is their dad, Kohath is Aram's dad, and Kohath is one of Le- is Levi's second son. Yeah. So it's his great grandfather, Levi. Yeah. So the story of what happened at Shechem is not, like, this really far removed thing. It's like, oh, man, my great... And it's probably also, it's like, it was bad, but it was also awesome.
0: Yeah, it, I we're mean... tough guys. It, it is weird to think, like, it's been 400 years, so, like, like it's hard to think, like, oh, that, that would get lost, but 400 years is, like, four generations for them. Yeah. Because they're living, like, 100. Yeah. 120. So it's not yeah. that far removed. Sorry, I just wanted to... Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. No, that's a good connection so but moses kills man he kills he's a murderer just like levi he then is continuing to like be the vigilante for justice and goes out and sees two hebrews and the hebrew is like oh what are you gonna murder me just like you did that egyptian he's like
1: what i thought you guys would be happy and they're like no man you're a dude of privilege you're not one of us right and he's like oh no
0: and then he realizes oh, people know about me killing the Egyptian, that means Pharaoh's going to find out. Right. And Pharaoh is probably already looking for an excuse to kick this Hebrew kid out of his household. Like for the last 40 years. Yes.
1: (laughs) And so... When will Moses leave? So... He's like the one thing I couldn't accomplish in my presidency. (laughs) It's a person. So...
0: Pharaoh hears it and wants to kill him. So Moses flees to the desert. And... uh, he ends up in the land of Midian, which Midian is... Who is Midian? The nation... It's a nation from Abraham, from his um, second wife, Keturah. Yeah. And... Uh, after Sarah So they're like dies. distant cousins yeah. at this point. So it, it is kind of like a weird like family relation. They're in the line of Shem. They are kind of carrying a blessing of Abraham on them, which is cool. So he goes out to the wilderness and finds these people of Midian. And while
1: there he does the classic thing that all the guys in line the patriarchs do which I know. is he goes to a well and there's some women that have come up to the well and they need help drawing it because there's these other shepherds who are harassing them he protects them and then draws water and it, it says he drew water for us and then it's just funny because it's like Moses the man whose name means drawn, drawn water, out drawn out from water drew water for us and they call him an Egyptian yeah. The Egyptian, who was drawn out of the water, drew water for us. And so he's making, um, much like the patriarchs, he's out in the desert, and this is where he's going to be connected to his family line, uh, still. Yeah. Still some protection, and he's going to be out there. Um, I, I don't want to give away all the story yet, but he's going to be out there. So that's where he's at now. And I, I want to say, there's this... Um, is there anything else we need to say about that?
0: Other than that he... Mary is one of those women. Zippor- Zipporah. Zipporah, um, which is very similar to the story of Jacob and Rachel, which is cool. Like, yeah. we just see these themes keep playing out. And he
1: says, "I, you know, he names him Gershom, his son. he have a child, and I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. So yeah. he's outside of the land. Mm-hmm. But, um, but then there's this really amazing section at yes. the end of chapter 2 where it says God hears Israel's groaning. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it says God heard... God remembered, God saw, and God knew. And I, just, I really, um, I find great comfort in these words, that God hears our cries, he remembers his promises, he sees the injustices, he sees what's happening, and God knows, he knows us, and he knows uh, what's going on. You know, yeah. their cry, uh, he hears the cry from of rescue, for rescue from slavery. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant. And God saw the people of Israel and God knew. And so this is the advantage of being the people of God. We have a Mm -hmm. God who we can actually know and who actually knows and cares for us. So this God does what he always does, which is he combines his word. He takes his word of promise, his creative, powerful word, and he combines it to a created thing Mm -hmm. for his purposes. And he does it here in the burning bush where the holy God shows up in fire at the foot of the mountain and speaks, uh, clearly calls out and assigns to Moses the purposes of God.
0: Yeah. So, uh, one of the things, uh, for geography I want to point out is it's at Mount Horeb, which is also known as Sinai. So God mm. appears to Moses as fire at the mountain of Sinai, which, <laughs> which is where Moses is going to bring the people of Israel to meet God and get the law.
1: Which is so cool, because you think about it, when he brings the people back there, they're like, where are we going? He's like, I'm just going to this place where this thing happened.
0: Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> I remember God met me here in fire, and he said he's going to do it again.
1: Right. And so we're. this is where we're coming back to this mountain.
0: Yeah. Because and,
1: this is where God spoke to me. And, and in this conversation, you know, it's like, take off your sandals. This is holy gar- ground. Mm-hmm. Like, step down. You are coming before the God of the universe. Right. Right. And then God, again, says, look, I've seen, I've heard, I know, I've come to deliver you. I hear the groanings of my people. And Moses is responding with, wow, that's great. But the first thing Moses does, he's a Levite, but he's also, we have things in common with Levites. Mm -hmm. He's very concerned about, I don't think you have the right guy. Like my sin, he's still very much wrapped up in the sin. He knows why he's away from the palace. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a big change It's because he sinned, man. He killed. He took things into his own hands. And so um, he's like, "Uh, I don't think people are going to respect me. I don't think they're going to hear my voice. And
0: later, he he even says, I don't think I'm a good speaker. He's a stutterer. Thinking about it, he probably is thinking, relating to, I already tried to save them, and they didn't respect me then. So if I come back to them and say, oh, hey, your God spoke to me.
1: Yeah. I killed before, and it's like, oh, Moses, you just want to cause a rebellion, and you think you have access to the armory or something, and you
0: don't. But
1: God then deals with us very graciously. He meets us where we're at. That's why he's in a burning bush in the first place, Mm -hmm. because he wants to meet with Moses in a way that won't destroy Moses. And so he says, uh, he gives a series of, well, first of all, he reveals his name. He says, I am who I am. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he says something we read in the New Testament, where it's, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac,
0: the God of Jacob. Yeah, and he says, I am the God of. Right. Which again insinuates that they are living. I they know. are still alive. He's
1: the God of the living.
0: He, he was, it's not, I was the God of Abraham, it's, I am.
1: And, or even, I showed up for your debt, your, yeah. these guys, I'll show up for you. He's like, I am their, still their God because they are still alive, because they are in my presence, and now on earth, I'm going to make my presence known with you so you can do all things. Nothing's impossible. Because the God of the universe has been made present to you just like he did and is with the God of Abraham. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm -hmm. So keep this name holy and remember this. Trust me, you're going to plunder the Egyptians one day. Yes. And so he gives his word, he gives a promise, and he assures that I'll be with you, Moses. But Moses, like most of us, is saying, "Uh, I'm really scared about this. So God gives him three signs?
0: Yeah. Um, he says, all right. Snake like, staff? Yeah. Throw your staff down on the ground, and then it becomes a snake. And then he says, now pick it up by the tail, which you do not pick a snake up by the tail. You pick it up by its neck.
1: Dude, I just connected this. It reminds me of Job. Mm-hmm. At the end, you could turn your staff, a thing that you're going to like, lead the sheep, mm-hmm. you can turn into a snake like the Leviathan, right. and you can play with it. Yes. That God can grab can, it by its tail. You can grab it like as if it's a harmless creature, grab it by its tail. And so God says, take a deadly serpent, which you also have in your narrative is the reason you're in this death mess, Right. and play with it because I am your God. Oh, man. That's, that's so good. A, that's a great
0: connection. Oh, I love that. Oh, my goodness.
1: And all the people he shows that to, he's like, yeah. look, we're conquering the devil. Right. I'll turn this into a snake. And everyone's like, no. He grabs it by the, it's like you're touching it like a stupid child. No, right. grab it by its venomous head and squeeze it. No, I, I don't have to because my God's with me. Oh man. And then the other big issue would be uh, sickness, right? Mm-hmm. So he says, take out your hand, put it in your chest in your cloak, cloak. Take it out, and it's white and it has leprosy
0: because
1: mm-hmm. skin issues back then, as they are today, are like, oh no,
0: yeah, this is bad.
1: You're going to be cut off from the community. Mm-hmm. You're going to be isolated. You're you're t- extremely contagious leprosy is like sin it's very it's an infectious disease that will ruin everything around it but then put it back in and I'll heal leprosy and yeah, it's fine and then the greatest another well the foreshadowing one is he says turn this does Tur- he turn yeah. water into yeah. blood
0: yeah yeah so then he says you won't do it here but when you get to the Nile you're gonna turn the Nile water into blood which
1: is crazy you're yeah. ruining the main source of life economic agricultural everything
0: Yeah, and
1: so this was all. I believe this was all to convince Moses, and it's going to convince God's people. Mm -hmm. But they should understand these as God's all, like comprehensive power of God for them. Mm -hmm. And so Moses says, "Okay, and all right, I'll I'll do it.
0: I'll do it. But I still don't think I can talk. Right. And so then again, God does like almost a Job moment, like who has made a man's mouth? Like he again starts asking like. Where, where, who are you? Who, who's done all everything? Who's right. made everything? Um, and so, but he still is going. Okay, I will bring Aaron out to you. Your brother Aaron will come out and meet you, and right. he will be your voice. He will be your prophet, and you will be like God. Right. You will be like me.
1: It's really cool. We're seeing so early on the need for a mediator, mm-hmm. you know. And so Moses is going to be the mediator, but he doesn't have the confidence to speak. And so God gets upset with him and says, fine. Because at one point, God says, yeah, who has made the mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I'll be with you, and I'll be with your mouth and, and, um, and teach you what you shall speak. But he's like, no. And so then it says that uh, Moses will be like God to Aaron, and Aaron will be like the prophet to the people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, it sets up that, which again reminds me of the need for Christ as a, we need a mediator. You're right so even in the future, we'll see, and like Job, they had to go to Job and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. The Pharaoh will have to go to Moses and say, ask your God for forgiveness. Yeah. We go to Christ and say, Christ, ask God to forgive us. Yes. All right. So. Okay. We, we got it. Yeah. We're still got so much. No, no. So no, we're, good.
0: We're, we're going. though. No. Oh, but
1: I can't miss uh, the end of chapter four
0: where. No. Yes. This, is, yeah, okay, this, is, the next, this is, is the next thing. So Moses finally is like, okay, I will go. I will go back. And on their way back, I think, like, it's kind of, like, at the a halfway point, um, there's this weird, like, it seems weird. Right. It like, did
1: seem weird until like this just, time around. It's just, it?
0: like, this brief interaction where it's, like, and then the Lord wanted to kill Moses because Moses' son wasn't circumcised. Right. And, and you're, like, wait, what? What's going on? Why, why is this happening? And... Zipporah, and, yeah, she And says, then there's this scene where Zipporah, like, circumcises her son, who potentially could be an adult at this point. Yeah. Like, it's kind of fuzzy at the age right now, but... No, he's he might he, be close he, to 40. He, he might... No, no, he might be close to, like, 20 or something like that. But, like, so she circumcises her son and then throws the skin down at Moses' feet and says, you are a bridegroom of blood to me.
1: Yeah, here's your bloody... Yeah. Foreskin.
0: Yes. And so, <laughs> oh. there's like this weird moment of like, what is happening? But but there's an angel of the Lord there. That, that wants to kill him. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple things that hit me. Oh, yeah. It's one, hit me right now. One, Moses is a Levite. Yup. The Levites used circumcision, abused circumcision. Yeah. And did not misuse the sign of God. And here we have Moses, who's about to be the leader of Israel and is going to represent God to them. And his own son has not received the sign of the people. And it's like kind of an abuse. And so God is like, you, if to be this leader, to represent me, you have to be following the law. You have to at least handle these things correctly. You cannot follow in the footsteps of your great, great grandfather.
1: And circumcision is the grace of God. It's the, remember, it's a covenant promise that God made to Abraham. And he said, You circumcise the people to set them apart. This is what makes them my children. And to use our language today, it's like, What saves you? Yeah. How does an Israelite know he's saved? Well, you're just born an Israelite. No. How do you know? The answer back then would be, I am circumcised. Right. And so you cannot represent God without the circumcision. And it's just funny that this circumcision thing has been hanging around the Levites.
0: Right. And, and then the other idea is uh, Zipporah being a Midianite, yeah. she probably was against it. Right, And the reason their son wasn't circumcised to begin with was because she didn't want him to be. Yeah, And so that's why she does it and throws it at his feet and gets like angry at him it's because she realizes god's about to kill her husband. Oh man. And so she's she's like upset and so she just does it. And she's poor, like
1: poor poor Moses, man. He's like I'm going to follow god. This is a big deal. And then you got wife issues and yeah. it's like, "Oh, you know he's sweating out there just like, come on, support. Come on, baby. Come on. Don't be like that. Be cool." Do you see the angel? Is he still there? She's like, "Yeah, he's still there. He's going to kill you." Okay. All right, just do it. And then she says, "Bloody religion." And he's like, "Just can you be cool about it right now? I'm really freaking out, man." Yeah. And uh, everything is difficult for Moses right now.
0: And then um, we're pretty sure, because it says later in the narrative, but we're pretty sure that this is where Zipporah and his sons stop. They don't go with him to Egypt. Right. They stay back. And so at this point, I think there was kind of like a, we need some time
1: apart. Yeah, what are you doing? And then Moses is probably like, I don't think you're going to help me on this mission.
0: Right. Well, um, And then, but then right after this. Well, even before that, it says,
1: uh, the Lord said, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. This is what he tells Moses to say to Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And I never caught that, that God refers to Israel as his firstborn son. Mm -hmm. And that's why the plagues will culminate with the firstborn son. Like you are killing my God's son. Yes. The firstborn pharaoh and so if you kill my son you're doing this then you're gonna lose your son mm-hmm. because i'm stronger than you this is what moses is going equipped with but then right away again it's all linked to how our babies made and the sign of the covenant and we have to make things right yeah. first moses and get your family in order and so he gets in order goes back
0: aaron meets him and they tell the elders and all the people are like
1: sweet sounds like we can get behind this
0: yeah so This is like a constant theme though, right? Like that we've been seeing where it's the promise of God, the proclamation of God is spoken and is guaranteed. And then we see a threat to the promise. We see the promise challenged. And, and so they go to Pharaoh. There's always testing
1: after you get it. Yeah. And Pharaoh says, you are idle and worthless. people."
0: It sounds like you have a lot of time on your hands to be thinking about this God thing. So, you know the straw I provided for you? Yeah, you're going to go out to find that well, on
1: your own. Do you know what I connected? And this is a little bit spiritualizing in this, in this sense, but taskmasters, mm-hmm. things we make, like idols that we have, you know what they n- never say to us? In our own minds, like if work or oh, relationship, yeah. we have these kind of, they never say, that's enough, you can rest now. And I was thinking, like, even the idea, the, th- the things we worship if apart from God, always accuse us of being idle. Right. Always accuse us of not right. doing nice. enough. No, that's a good I connection. not yeah, that cool? So a good connection. So I feel like, um, of course, the taskmasters, when you want freedom from something, they go, oh, you've been lazy. Uh, you're just being you, lazy. You need to work harder, You apparently. want Sundays off to go worship God? You're just being lazy. You're probably not even going to
0: church. Right.
1: You know, don't even act like you're a Christian. Anyway, there's those kinds of lies. So Moses is now has to deal with the people who are going... Oh, Egypt hates us. It's worse now. Which is funny because it's like, remember my name is drawn out of the water because they were trying to kill our
0: babies 40 years ago. Remember like my whole generation that was murdered and drowned in the river? Actually, 80 years ago. My name, because at this point he's 80 and Aaron's 83. Yes. So, yeah. So now the people of God are doing something that we will see as like a constant pattern throughout the rest of the story is they get the promise of God, they rejoice, they try to step into it, it's challenged, and they fold, like, hard. And they turn on Moses, and they turn on God, and they're like, you've only made things harder for us.
1: Does sound familiar to people?
0: Yeah. Sound like our lives? Anyway. uh, So then Moses then kind of folds and turns to God, going, he starts off kind of accusing God. He goes, why have you done this evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? (laughs) uh, for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, and then he switches, he goes, oh, okay, Pharaoh has done evil to this people, but you still have not delivered your people at all. And so Moses is kind of like trying to work it out and go like, God, you told me to do this, but now it's worse. I don't know what's happening. Help.
1: And then the Lord says to him straight up, bro, you're going to see what I do to Pharaoh. Relax. With a strong hand, I'll drive him out of the land." And he says, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob mm-hmm. as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Look, I'm, I'm established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they mm-hmm. live as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have to read the whole thing now. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses thus uh, spoke to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So... Moses is, again, in a tough spot. But we take comfort in the fact that Yahweh says, I am the God who will deliver, who will redeem, sanctify, mm-hmm. marry you, give you the land. And I'm, I'm manifesting different than I did to Abraham in covenants. I'm actually speaking to you, Moses. Right. It's different. It's different. Woo! All right. Welcome Old to Testament. Exodus, man. That was... It was long, but good, and, uh, you know, we we figured out as we go, they get a little shorter, but I think it's worth your time. Yes. Let's move on, though. We got Matthew chapter 26 on this wonderful day, 39 and 40. Mm. Play that
0: New Testament. Oh, New Testament music. So we'll be doing Matthew chapter 26, verse 1 through 46. All right. uh
1: <laughs> Matthew 26.
0: Where are we in the narrative? So Jesus just dropped a uh, lot of truth all over the Pharisees. Whew. And...
1: Uh, We're at the end of Passion Week. Yes. It's wrapping up, because he sp-
0: spent all his time dealing with the Pharisees. He's really asserting his authority and rule.
1: I had a thought. Yes. I was mowing the yard yesterday, yes. and... I've made it the habit to not listen to anything while I mow, just think. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about how at the beginning of Jesus' ministry on the outskirts, we mentioned this the other day, mm-hmm. where he was healing mm-hmm. and exercising and preaching. He starts off preaching his kingdom, then healing. And then he's, the last part that Matthew is recording is in Jerusalem to the Pharisees, and it's all theological. Right. And I think there have been seasons in my life where I see all those things happening, but right. I wonder, we spend a lot of our time fighting over theological debates. It feels like we're in the section of the pharisaical, interaction with Je- pharisaical interactions with Jesus. Does that say something about us? Hmm. Like if we were in okay. a different socioeconomic class, would we be focusing more on healing and deliverance and justice? Huh? Or even a different one on just the preaching? Or are we in a certain class that only can obsess and think about the nuances of the law and try to spar with one another and spar with Jesus? And like, what Jesus, do you mean I can live with my girlfriend or not live with my girlfriend? And Jesus is like, look, (laughs) so he's speaking to us. Maybe we're Pharisees or maybe we're broken and poor. Maybe we're all, but it just made me wonder to become self-aware about where am I? Anyway, I was thinking all that while mowing the yard, thinking at the same time, I should take better care of my yard. Huh.
0: Anyway. Okay. I, I like that. Yeah. That's an interesting insight. Yeah.
1: Because it shows where you need Jesus. And if huh. you're trying to justify yourself and use words yeah. in the law, you might be interacting with the Jesus on the last days of his life in Jerusalem. And I thought of that for myself. I'm like, oh, yeah. I need a little more healing maybe. But I, you know... Maybe I, I need a little more preaching. Maybe I need I don't know, but it's a it's a worthwhile conversation with yourself. That makes
0: sense. Huh. Yeah, I right.
1: never thought about it like that. Okay. But I think Matthew, Matthew has enlightened us in terms of his groupings, right? Yeah. Like his he's purposely grouped
0: it like this. Fantastic.
1: Anyway,
0: so we're at the
1: end now where it's straight so up. Jesus
0: death. again restates. So again. It is amazing that he knows, like, he's very aware of what the plan is. and Oh, yeah. And so he does say, like, right after this, he says, you know after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Like, yeah. he even knows the mode of death, which I guess doesn't take someone, like, a, a supernatural thing because you are in the time of Rome and if you're going to die as a criminal... You're going to be crucified? But you know, so. what?
1: but Jesus gets what we don't. He gets the magnitude of what he's saying, which is, I am going I am a subversive, right. threat to all the powers on earth. And I think as Christians, we don't think of ourselves as we are a threat. Right. We are what do you call it, like an underground movement, um, a grassroots movement of upheaval. And so he knows, like what happens to people who lead rebellion? Is they get crucified. Yeah. And it's, I think it's helpful if we see ourselves as part of a rebellion against mm-hmm. the powers of this world. And so we're going to be a threat to people who have power because we're saying, don't kill them, love them, serve them, die for them. And they're like, you know what? That's, that's the stupid kind of stuff that's strong enough to convince all the, the weak people. And I don't like it because I want the weak people to give me their money and mm-hmm. their votes. And so we are part of a subversive movement. Yes. We have a different king. Caesar is not our lord. And so Jesus knows, and what I love, though, is in his divinity, he's saying, I'm choosing to lay down my life. Mm-hmm. This is not a surprise. This is not thwarting my plan or surprising me. Um, so I want my boys to know. Yes. And uh, in this case, of course, it's the women who get it.
0: Right. The women so, totally get it. Well,
1: More than the disciples. So, the lady at Samaria, and now this lady, and there's so many. Sorry.
0: No, yeah, mm-hmm. so right before this, though, we have... Um, the priests are finally like, okay, uh, we gotta kill this guy, yeah. and we gotta figure out how to do it on the DL, on the down low, um, and yeah. because they they are so afraid of the people. Right, they're so under the authority
1: of the the mob of people. I know they have to try to hide this, but they are plotting to kill
0: Jesus now. Straight
1: up, we need to kill him.
0: We gotta figure out he's a threat. How to get rid of this guy?
1: So. Meanwhile, Jesus is being Jesus, and he's at the house of Simon the leper. Yes. Where else would he be?
0: Where else would he be? The marginalized? It's a... It's so great. Obviously, I don't think we have Simon's story in this one, but I think it's in Mark. Um, But he he was a leper that was outcast from society that Jesus healed, and now he's back in society. Yeah. And so Jesus is eating with him and hanging out, and... um, a woman comes in with an alabaster flask. And so just the flask yeah. is a really expensive. It's like a really expensive flask, and it has an expensive ointment in it. And she just dumps it all over Jesus. Like, she just, like, bathes him in it. and And all the disciples kind of get, like, up in arms about it. They're kind of, like, a little upset about it because they're going... Uh, what is happening right now, right. Uh, that's a lot of money that we could have sold and given to the poor. I thought that's what we were about. Yeah, like, Jesus, you're getting off track here. What are, you, what are you doing right now? Why are you
1: letting this happen? Like, mm-hmm. why didn't you... What? And, and he understands she's done a beautiful thing because she's anointing me for my death. Yeah. Like, she's doing what you do for a dead body.
0: Yeah, she gets it. She's actually heard what I've been saying.
1: She has listened and she's applying it. And so there's no cost too much to have a shot at being saved by this person in the flesh. But also, I will gladly give up all my money to anoint him and be a part of his death. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I'll be a part of his resurrection. Yes. Now, uh, so often women are highlighted as getting it. And the men who are closest to him still don't get it. They don't. And this is a this is a case where they just do not get it. He says, and in fact, Jesus says, uh, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her.
0: Like and he says, we're remember, still telling. Us. There's another
1: woman where he says, I've not seen such great faith. Yes. Like he's saying, this woman gets it. Do not forget her. But it ticks off the disciples, because they have this selfish or this righteous indignation about, oh, we're supposed to be helping the poor, not wasting it. And Jesus says, you'll always have the poor. Right. Well, that seems weird. I thought we were solving all... uh, You know, we'd go into towns and heal everybody. Mm -hmm. We're solving sickness. We're solving poverty. And now it sounds like you don't care
0: about poverty, Jesus. Wait, what? Yeah, you're flipping the script on us. What's going on? I thought we just, we finally were starting to get it. Yeah. And so right after this story, which... Again, I'm realizing Matthew is a brilliant writer and he is purposely, intentionally pairing everything together because we get right after this, Judas is like, okay. So it says, then one of the 12, whose name was Judas, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And I always thought this was a weird, Mm. like juxtaposition right but then i realized like oh judas was the one who was in charge of the money and who like went out and dealt with poor people like he gave the money away to the poor people and so he's seeing jesus refuse like not tell this woman to like sell this sell this oil and or ointment and give it to the poor like he's seeing like in his eyes, Jesus is diminishing the service that they're all about. Yeah. Like I thought we were all about helping the poor and now you're not, you know what? Maybe you're not the guy I thought you were. Right. And I think you're getting off track, Jesus. And I'm going to, I'm going to correct this. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be the more righteous one. So
1: in dealing with Judas, it's helpful to realize, take him seriously. He was serious about walking with Jesus. He was, actually a part of the he It wasn't always like this undercover agent. He wasn't like this no. Cylon waiting to be discovered or growing into, wow. growing into, I know I've been watching some sci-fi, uh, you know, like some sleeper cell yeah. Cylon who's like, oh no, now I realize I'm against Jesus. I think what's more helpful is to realize he was totally with Jesus. He was wanting the best for Jesus, but he did what we all do, which is we think we know better than Jesus. Yeah. And that's where the sin and the pride and the death is. It's when we think, I hear you, Jesus, but I don't think you're quite understanding my situation.
0: And I think he's like identifying more with his cause than with the actual son of God. Ooh, and that happens. Yeah, like I'm all about poor people. And how many, yeah. Or are you just should be all about Jesus. Right. And then poor people and how you treat everyone will fall under that.
1: So we get more about the cause, our cause, and it's a good cause. He cares for the poor. Yeah. So he's, I, th- that's that's the take, and he's going, Jesus is not actually, because he says, you're always going to have the poor with you. Oh, so we're not solving that problem? I don't know what we're doing then. W- wait, what are we doing?
0: Okay, then maybe you're talking about dying. You're talking, maybe you're not the king, the messiah that we thought you were.
1: Okay, so I'm going to list out what happens in the rest of our reading today because I just made a connection. Do it. So it goes, um, the plot to kill Jesus, mm-hmm. the anointed the woman anoints him. Judas gets upset. You know the difference between Judas betrays him for 30 pieces of silver. Yes.
0: Oh, okay. I know where you're going. Yeah.
1: So then it goes. Passover. It goes Passover, Lord's Supper, and then Peter's betrayal. Yes. You know the difference between Judas and Peter? The Lord's Supper. Yes. Here's what I mean. Okay. Is that uh, one had faith and one didn't. Right. They both failed. And you're gonna we're going to see Peter respond with faith. So confession, and they both confess. See, that's the tricky thing is that Judas yes. will okay. say, oh, I'm sorry. And he gives, but um, but confession without faith is just regret. Mm-hmm. Confession with faith is absolution. So the faith to believe that Jesus could pay for this is what Peter had. Judas didn't believe that Jesus would be able to pay for this. And I mean, you even see at the institution of the Lord's Supper, he leaves, but we got to get to... Anyway, I'm just seeing that. Okay. That's long. I just want to get an overview. And then, because um, I know we're,
0: yeah, yeah. we're doing okay. fine.
1: So Passover, Jesus says the Passover is after Judas betrays him. He says, uh, we got to set up for the Passover. It's important to me. You go. We're going to have a place to do it. And it's important to me because um, the blood of the lamb saves all of Israel. If you're under the blood of the lamb, mm-hmm. the angel of death passes over, um, over you. And so Jesus now says, we celebrate that, only what's going to happen this time is, first we're going to deal with the fact that one of you is going to betray me. Mm-hmm. And I even like that he says that, because it's almost like he's giving Judas a chance to
0: confess. confess. Instead, Judas is like, he does, I mean, God says, is it I, Rabbi? Yeah. Well, he says, is it I? And I think they all kind of go,
1: oh, is it going to be me? Is it going to be me? Well, they
0: say, is it I, Lord? And then he says rabbi teacher so it's always it's already you see a shift in judas's mind uh about who jesus is now he's just a teacher and yeah oh yeah he's not lord and master anymore well
1: i love the response because you know you think is it i and uh, we think oh it's judas but really if the lord says one of you is going to betray me it's not even a question mm-hmm. our response is it is i Mm-hmm. like I know I'm going to betray you Lord and mm-hmm. I ask for forgiveness straight up like protect me and they're all still thinking like oh I might live a life that doesn't betray Jesus mm-hmm. and if you're still living that life you need to wake up
0: yeah. like, if you, think, I mean, you you can live a Peter's life Peter is one of these people and he's right. about to do it and, I mean they're all about to do it
1: and they have this bravado of like I will never leave you and mm-hmm. we get that too like I'm going to do it I'm all in and that's the worst place to be the best place to be is go is to be in a position of Lord, I, don't, I know it's me. Yeah. I don't want to. Help me. Yes. Okay. So then Jesus does an amazing thing, and he institutes the Lord's Supper where it's a command where mm-hmm. Jesus says, take, eat. This is my body. He doesn't say this is like my body. He doesn't say this is a spiritual thing. He's like straight up just says, this is my body. Mm-hmm. He took a cup, and he gave thanks for it. And he says, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then he makes a promise that we'll have a a much bigger meal one day. But Mm -hmm. we are unified to him. We're unified to each other, that he is the blood of the lamb. He is the blood that is going to be shed as the one sacrifice, God's firstborn son to pay for the crimes Mm -hmm. of God's children, to make peace with the world and with God the Father, Jesus has chosen to be this. He's laid down his riches come for this moment. And that's why he says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. He commands us, take the Lord's Supper, eat my body. Just like the burning bush, God shows up. His word shows up to physical things. And we are blessed and come into the presence and are guaranteed his, um, his presence with us in these places like Moses was, the burning bush, and now Jesus says, do this. And then immediately, Peter, he says to Peter, you're going to betray me. Yeah, so he no. actually
0: he actually says, you will all fall away. You yeah. will all betray me. And then Peter like answers, and he's like, oh, no, I will never, I'll never do that. Yeah. I won't do that. Maybe the rest of these guys will, but I'm on the inner circle, man. Like, I'm not doing this. I'm in it to win it. I was at the transfiguration. I was, yeah. you know. And I know, I've seen... I'm I'm not afraid and it is interesting and I think this is a common theme that is good to remember. Right. These disciples have been next to Jesus for at least 3 years and they've seen some crazy stuff go down with him. They've seen some amazing amazing things, miracles. We also have the Israelites in Exodus who are about to see some crazy miracles. Right. It's amazing amazing things. And yet, there's still moments and patterns of doubt. Right. That these miracles do not create faith?
1: No, that's what's so crazy. We think they do.
0: We think they do. And, like, because, like, honestly, like, being like really honest, like, we've seen some crazy stuff. We've yes. seen some miracles. Right. Like, you and I have seen some miracles in this very room that we're recording in right now. And yet there's still moments of weakness in me and moments of doubt of like, yeah. am I, what am I doing? Like, are we doing the right thing? And realizing like, this is our story actually. Yeah. And God is still gracious and merciful and willing to work with us. Even though we'll, we will see God's mighty works, we will see these things, but these things aren't enough to save us.
1: Well, it's like the glow of Moses' face. Yes. It would wear
0: off. Yes.
1: Whereas the glow of Jesus is he is divine yeah. on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I do think we want to believe, oh, if we saw a miracle, we'd believe. No, it, you would consume it. It would give you belief for a moment and for some yeah. time, and then it would wear off because it's not eternal. Right. It's to point us to the eternality of Jesus, of God, who mm-hmm. is doing the miracle. And so um, So. It, yeah, it's funny, but it should point out our brokenness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh so, like, yeah, totally. I used to think like, oh Israel and all the disciples, man. If I were there, I would never have doubted. And it's like, but no. that's exactly what the Pharisees said. And it's exactly it's wrong. Like it's supposed to show us we doubt in the face of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We doubt because this is why we're so broken, and this is why God has so much mercy. He's like, you don't even know how broken you are. Yeah. And so instead, we should look at these characters and go. I would do the same. Actually, they lasted longer than me. Yeah. I wouldn't even be the main character in the story. I may have been one of those who just sneered at Jesus. You know what I mean? And and deal with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's fascinating. So then Jesus says, like, uh, this very night, Peter, you are going to deny me three times.
1: Right.
0: And is like, no, no, I'll die with you. And, I, I mean, that is what we would like to believe. And really... We just have to pray, like, Lord, please give us the faith.
1: Just and, wanting to die with him doesn't mean we will do it.
0: Yeah. It's, it will expose... To continue on. Like, that's what
1: we've been saying, though. As soon as we, we commit to Jesus, we get tested.
0: We get tested, and we most often fail.
1: Almost always, because success in the testing is doing what Jesus does in the next section, which is he prays and says, not my will, but your will be right. done. Success is faithfulness. Success is not being strong repentance. enough. Success is repentance and faith.
0: And then believing that you are forgiven. Right.
1: It's so awesome. I mean, which is,
0: okay. So this is what the thing, well, I guess that's the next tomorrow's reading, but we go to 46, right? Yeah. So we have Jesus. He goes to the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane? Gethsemane? Yeah. There whatever. You go. There you go. Um, And he goes and prays. And this is like a really for me it's kind of comforting cuz we see the son of God who knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's going to die. He knows that he's going to rise again. But yet he the ass the death is still terrible. Yeah. And terrifying even to the son of God who knows he's going to rise from the dead and and rise in full divinity and yet he's still begging the father.
1: It's so gross and so horrifying to be separated from yeah. the father. And have to experience this. And it's such a shame, yeah. right? Like, oh, Father, if you can take this cup from me, take it. And then he's telling his disciples, his I, closest disciples, just pray.
0: Pray. Just be with me. Like, I, I am terrified right and now. And they do
1: what everybody does when we ask them to pray fall asleep. They find something else to do, <laughs> they fall asleep.
0: <laughs> and
1: then Jesus at the end of this, so yeah, he's, a, you know, we have other accounts and we'll come back. We're going to mm-hmm. read all four gospels. So we got to keep moving. But he says, Sleep and take your rest later on. The hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayers at hand. And Jesus is just kind of rebuking them like, you guys, sleep later. You do not understand the biggest moment in the history of the world is happening, it is going down. And you are sleeping? I can imagine I, why he's so upset. He's like, well, I'm shocked that you guys still don't understand how big this moment is.
0: I also hear it as like a very human moment. Like, right. you know you're about to die. Like he, He's like, hey guys. Sorry about that.
1: Uh, oh, you're still recording. That's great.
0: Yeah. We're going live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he knows he's about to die. Mm-hmm. and it's terrifying and he just wants his friends next to him that's good yeah like why can't you just be next to guys, me guys can you just sit by me like that, that's kind of a job like i throwback just throw back too i isn't need it? my three friends next to me right now cuz i i don't know like i need all the help i need all the support i can get but jesus has to do the thing that we can't do which is go it alone lay down his life Not my will, but thy will be done. Yeah.
1: Man, we covered a lot today. Thanks for hanging in with us. We got one more bit here. A beautiful psalm. Psalm 19. Uh, We'll do the first half, one through six, and it's expressing God's beauty in creation. You just
0: want to read it? Yeah. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge.
1: boom, you've just been fed by ravens. Have a great day. Go in peace and serve the Lord.